0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to season two of the Learning and Community Podcast, where every week we explore resources and ideas to maximize the impact of youth workers across our community. So what's up? We're back. I'm your boy, Josh. We got Rachel. And we got a special guest this week. We got our boy, Jeremy Dawson. Yes,
1: we are so yeah. excited to have you here, Jeremy.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I love that. I can tell Josh is from Texas because he says Jeremy um, and not, not Jeremy. That's cool.
1: You know, Jeremy, we're excited to have you here. Um, for those of you who don't know Jeremy Dawson, he is on the Tacoma YFC board. He's the chair of board governance. Yeah. Okay. He's important people. Yes. The chair. Okay. Uh, we've also gotten to partner with you, Jeremy, um, on some projects with our kids, with our yes. students um, around financial literacy and all that stuff, um, because you work for Thrivent. Yes. Yeah, which is a financial management company. Am I right?
2: Yeah, it's a financial services organization um, that specifically works with Christians. Um, So I love that we want to help people make wise decisions with their money so that they can live generously.
1: Well, that's what's up. Um, Not only do you do all of that, but you let me mentor your 12-year-old daughter. 13. Yeah, she just turned 13. 13. Yeah, 13 on so the So she fort. is a teenager wow. now. Okay. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're really excited to have you here. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but Jeremy, can you just like describe what it was like growing up in Tacoma for you? Give us some background about who you are.
2: Yeah, yeah. how you
1: became because because from where you came from to where you are now is a pretty long journey.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a pretty long story. I'll try and boil it down to just a couple sentences. Yeah. Um, born in Tacoma, um, I, I spent equal time in the church and in the streets, um, which is a very unique you know scenario. So you know, grew up in church. You know, mother raised me and my my brother and my sister. Um, God-fearing kids, that whole deal. But at the same time, you know, I had a, a lot of friends who were living street life, involved in gangs and such like that. And so I found myself kind of with this internal tension for all of my upbringing with, you know, my love for God and also my love for, you know, the community, the streets. I, uh, you mm-hmm. know, got involved in, you know, gangs and street life. Um, And then fast forward, you know, music was one of the, the tools that actually kind of helped me come out of that space. Um. My mom, as a, as a young musician, she let me play at anywhere, you know, people would have me. And so I was able to be exposed to different, you know, styles of worship, different styles of music, um, and different kind of thoughts from people, different cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I always knew kind of at a young age, probably preteens, that there was something outside of my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm super grateful for that, that music was able to kind of take me from being this kid from the hilltop to you know traveling nationally and and doing all these really cool things and being able to see a different side of the street life i was the kid you're trying to reach right like i was that mm-hmm. 11 to 19 year old from the streets who you know needed someone to come along and and share their story with me. Um, And so it's it's good for me to sit on the board and think about some of the decisions we make at the larger level um, Mm -hmm. and make sure that the voice of, you know, our target audience is still being heard.
0: So let's kind of jump right into like our first conversation. Um, You know, it's 2020. Everybody knows what's going on. COVID and race issues. Um, Why should in your opinion, why should Christians or youth workers care about race issues?
2: Yeah. Um, as you said, you know, this year has been crazy, right? COVID um, tons of just social uproar. Uh, there was a small election a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Um, Got
0: about it. About yeah.
2: It. <laughs> why, you know, the, the question, why should Christians be concerned about race quite simply because Jesus did mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, the, the simplest definition of a Christian is an imitator of Jesus. Um, You know, I did a series of talks with my pastor, Brian Halfordy, about a year and a half, two years ago at our church anchor. Um, We talked about tribes and tongues, and we talked about, you know, the the place for different social um, and, you know, cultural spaces at the table, at the feet of Jesus. Um, And we kind of anchored around this scripture in Revelation 7, 9, and it talks about how You know, they see this image of all these people worshiping God, um, every tribe, every nation, every people, every language. That's a lot of that's a lot of inclusion. Every tribe, every Mm. tongue, every people, every language. Um, And so we see that picture in the book of Revelation, uh, not to get too super deep or spiritual, but like we see that picture and that's where we're going. And so we think um, it's a good idea to start practicing now.
1: Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good well not like gives us an opportunity to experience kingdom come right oh, yeah. we pray that right kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven yeah right and so that's that's what that looks like
2: yeah there's you know we, god has uniquely gifted each and every one of us uh with with something to bring to the table um and it would be you know like we're we're looking at thanksgiving coming up here in in a couple days right like what would Thanksgiving look like if the only thing on the table were 11 turkeys, right? Like <laughs> yeah. no, and, and, and turkey breast meat at that, right? right. The driest, right? Like <laughs> what would Thanksgiving look like, right? Um, <laughs> on, on, the, on the inverse, what would Thanksgiving look like if it was only cranberry sauce, right? Right, Like you need each one of those things. I, I am getting hungry actually as I'm thinking about this. Um, <laughs> but you need each one of those things to make that meal great, yeah you know they can't stand on their own and yeah. um, you know, i was I was in a a diversity training with a, a Christian leader here, and he was saying, you know like he loves to see the body of Christ not as a melting pot but as a salad bowl mm-hmm. um, and I love this analogy because in a salad bowl, everything is still unique, right lettuce is still lettuce in a salad bowl, carrots are still carrots, tomatoes are still tomatoes, but they work. Yeah. In this harmony, right? Like no one has to shun or or strip themselves of what they actually are. Right. Um, but they work together in this balance, not in the same way like a soup where everything just kind of becomes the yeah. soup. And I don't think that that's what the body of Christ is called to. I think we're called to be unique yeah. and unified.
1: Mm, that's good. So like, what does it look like to turn a soup into a salad? Yeah. You know, because like we've been in this this place for a long time where we've asked folks to shed pieces of their identity. I think a lot about a friend of mine who grew up Catholic. um, She's Latina. And she felt like when she uh, converted and became part of an evangelical church, she had to like lay down her like background at the door Mm, mm -hmm. and just like meld in. And so, yeah, how do we come back from that, I guess? Like how do we turn the soup into a salad?
2: Yeah, um, I think it's, you know, one, to your point, I think we're all kind of learning and growing in our knowledge um, and trying to be more like Christ. I think that it can happen. Let me first say, I think that it can happen. I think that the process in which it takes is where we get hung up, right? Um, I think turning a soup into a salad, if we want to go with that analogy, it takes it takes hard work. It takes hard conversations. Um, it takes being okay with being uncomfortable Mm. right Um, and those are all things that people don't really like you know like no one loves hard conversations right like I've never seen anyone who goes like man I nothing energizes me more than just a a tough conversation right (laughs) um you know or you know the will to be wrong right like Mm. to say like my way might not necessarily be the right way right my way may be a way but it's not the way Mm -hmm. um and then to lay down our own, you know, um, expectations, right? Like, so as an example, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine who he's probably about 20, 30 years older than me. Um, and he was saying his, his mother, his family grew up Catholic and their family left the church when he was about 11 because someone brought acoustic guitar to the church. Um, now wow. if you fast forward to 2020, right? <laughs> wow. Like what church doesn't have an acoustic guitar. Right. (laughs) But you know, for him all those decades ago, you know, his parents thought that church was, you know, destined for hell because someone brought an acoustic guitar into the church. So it's, it's, it's so simple things to go like, can I release my need to be right? Can I lean into the collective? Can I ask the hard question? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that you brought, you brought up a really good point in the, in the talks we were doing, um, tribes and tongues, Brian and I, we kind of set this scenario that said there's a difference between, you know, segregation, assimilation, and what we call innovation. So for us in the terms of, you know, uh, culture in the church, segregation says, hey, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, right? Like, not, you know, not in the negative way, but just going like, hey, you do your thing, what you do is fine, just as long as I can do my thing over here and, and it doesn't have to mesh, right? Assimilation says, you do my thing. Right. And that's what your friend was kind of feeling. Right. Like in order to be accepted here, you have to do my thing. Right. Um, And what I think the the kingdom is called to is what I call innovation that says, let's do something new together. Right. Like, let's take what you value. Let's take, you know, some of my experience. Let's, uh, of course, align it with scripture. Um, And then from there, go like, let's create something new together. Yeah. Uh, And so I've seen I've seen that happen in pockets. Um, there's a church that I know that, you know, every now and then they'll sing some of the songs in Spanish, right? Like, so like they may sing one verse and then they might sing the second chorus in Spanish. Yeah. Or they might add things like, you know, moments of silence. Um, And so you go, how do we create a moment where, you know, I come from a gospel background so we can have really high energetic worship, but then to also make space for someone who... Just needs a moment to process. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so you create that space for everyone. And I, I love to be in a space where everyone is equally comfortable and uncomfortable.
0: I mean, we could probably, that's so many questions and stuff we can go off of, but I'm going to try to keep it in um, just because <laughs> our audience. But so all that's good. But if I'm a youth leader, right, um, how do, we implement or how do I implement the stuff that you're talking about? How do I implement innovation instead of segregation? How do we turn our youth ministries from soups into salads per se? Um, this is a,
2: this is a kind of tricky conversation. So the, the first thing that I will say um, is listen. All right. I, I think I want to lead with that, All right? Like lead with a posture of learning um, and I think you can own that, right? Like, to me, there's nothing better than a, a group from, you know, this this homogenous group from Parkland going like, hey, we recognize that we are a, a homogenous group and we are trying to serve a diverse community. Um, I think there's a lot of weight in just being able to call that out um, and saying, you know, quite simply, hey, would you help us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I don't know what help looks like just now. Um, but I do want to listen, right? I want to hear your story. Um, I want to, you know, get some cultural context. Um, those are the first things I think about, right? Listening and believing someone's story, Mm. right? So when, when someone tells a story to you, whether it's a, an, another staff member or, you know, a youth that you're encountering, choose to believe their story, Mm. um, even if it, if that story has nothing to do with how you were brought up or doesn't resonate with you at all, or you can't see how that would be true, choose to believe their story. Um, Because that gives you different insight into, you know, how people think, how people work. Um, I think on a very practical level, you know, it makes a lot of sense to hire in a way that would attract your target demographic, right? So, you know if you said you know i want to do you know i want to do an amazing girls ministry in lakewood but all of your staff and volunteer are 40 year old men it just doesn't work right and so <laughs> and so you have to be specific in your hiring right you have to say hey i i need someone to fill this space
0: so, as we're talking about race and like the benefits of why Christians and youth leaders should care about this, something I don't think gets talked about a lot is what are the consequences of not like diving into these issues or trying to reconcile race issues? you
2: know quite frankly, I think we've we've seen evidence of the consequences this year. I will say loudly, I think the large you know big c church has by and large stood on the sidelines this whole time. I know pastors personally who you know. Have said to me, Hey, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with what's going on right now. Uh, And my question back to them was great. Can you, can you say what we just said on Sunday to your congregation? Um, and I know that there's fear there, right? Like, I want to speak to that. Like, I know that there's fear in losing your congregation, losing your voice, losing your influence. Um, but I would argue that I think you're doing that by not saying anything. Um, I think that you are, are, you know, Losing credibility with your audience—that they may not be your biggest donor base, um, but they are supporting your ministry—and so I think there's an opportunity uh, for you to stand up and say something. Um, and I think the the other piece of that is, you know, it continues this kind of indifference, right? Like in a lot of spaces, I, I talked to a friend who is from Alaska, um, and so you know, right when this whole situation kind of sparked um, i said hey what do you think is happening in cordova that's where he's from cordova alaska um try and google that um and he said honestly nothing he said if anything people are saying i can't be racist i don't know any black people wow. right and that's indifference right like that's going like no that's there's no way i could be racist i don't even know how, how can i be racist if i don't know a black person right? Um, But that doesn't mean that you don't have thoughts, feelings, you haven't been influenced by the media. um, And all of those things play a part.
0: Yeah, because I think I've had a lot of conversations with kids in our ministry, um, who are black and brown kids. And I, I think what I've recognized, one of the consequences of not having these, talking about these issues is like, there are eternal consequences to that. Like there are, Black and brown kids who want nothing to do with Christianity because of the church's silence. Like, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you can look at Malcolm X's book, right? He says, like, I didn't want to become a Christian because of white people, like simply put. <laughs> and then T.I., sorry, it's a secular rapper, he dropped the album two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, and mm-hmm. he has a song called How I'm Feeling, right? Um, and in, at the end of that song, he, he says, if you are following Christianity, you are following the religion of our oppressors. So, this is a mm-hmm. m- mainstream rapper mm-hmm. with a huge platform who's mm-hmm. telling black people, if you are following Christianity, get away from me. And that's the oppressor's like religion. Mm-hmm. So, and we know hip hop culture has a big influence on culture, right? Mm-hmm. So, for a mainstream rapper to come out and say that means that there is now this ideology that is coming out that has been in black and brown communities um, that is now coming to the forefront of, Hey, Christianity is not for black and brown people. And I think it does go with because the church has been silent on these issues. um, The church has been indifferent. And so now people will not follow Jesus because of, because of it.
2: Yeah. And I think it's important um, again to, to
0: say that we're not we're
2: not saying have the conversation for the sake of you know keeping your audience, and so it takes courage on that end to say, hey, like I want to step into this, uh, but I will continue in the in the lens that I put you know in the front. Like I believe strongly that Scripture says this is the way forward. I, I believe strongly that Jesus. If you look at the model of Jesus's life, um, he you know I, I think about you know, the woman at the well, right? Like, you know, the Samaritan woman, um, without getting into a whole Bible lesson, um, the Samarians were people that, the Jews called half breeds and to the point where if you had to go from one point in Israel to the next, they would actually go like a two and a half days journey around Samaria. So they wouldn't go through it. Um, but if you look at the scripture, you know, there's one, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Um, there's no other scripture that I'm aware of that says Jesus had to do anything, but this one specific passage says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Um, and I think if, you know, as you look at that space, obviously, you know, most people talk about the woman in the well and her, you know, five husbands and all that other stuff. But if you look at the the cultural context of that, like what Jesus was doing in that space, what he was speaking to in that space is on the same level as what we're speaking about now, right? Like there is no difference between who you are, how you show up. Um, Jesus is enough for all.
1: Hey, everybody, you know what's next. We got take three. Um, This is where we give you practical tools uh, that you can take into your ministries, into your life. Um, And so there was a lot to take away from what you shared, Jeremy. So thank you for that. Um, I would say the first thing um, was probably listen, right, Josh?
0: Listening is key. Uh, I think Jeremy touched on it a lot. And we've been hearing that through this whole time is we need to listen to people that aren't like us um and listen to people's stories and i think jeremy said and believe that those stories are true um whether you agree with them or not
1: yeah that's good um and then i think the second takeaway is to just like get o- okay and and comfortable with being uncomfortable i i i've talked about this on the podcast before but when i started volunteering with youth for christ like i'm from the suburbs i was raised in predominantly white communities so when i started volunteering on the hill like yeah, everybody like physically looked like me, but like we had completely different experiences. I talk a lot about how much the kids made fun of my shoes because <laughs> that's what it was. It was. I mean, look at my game got better. i seen you look down. Uh, my game got better, Jeremy. Okay. I, all that to say, I think, yeah, we gain a lot from getting uncomfortable and being willing to continually put ourselves in a place where we're uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. You know, that actually kind of <laughs> leads into the third one, right? Which is put yourself in a position where you are not the dominant culture in the room. Um, you know, here's a really simple example. There's a couple from my church who recently have adopted a restaurant. Um, this couple comes from, you know, the other side of the tracks, as it were. You know, they are two white individuals, uh, but they have said, we are going to go to Viet Kitchen, which is a Vietnamese restaurant in the center of the Lincoln District, Every weekend. Um, and they're going to be consistent about being there. So for one reason, they want to be a part of the community that we are serving and worshiping in. Um, second, it's just to grow and learn, right? Like it's uncomfortable being in a space where you are, you know, the minority. Um, and I share with them, you know, very candidly, like the experience that you feel walking into a space where you are the minority. That's how I feel every morning when I open my door and go to work or go to the grocery store. Um, And so it's good to be able to walk in those shoes for a little bit to say, like, hey, this is what it feels like. This is what it potentially looks like to be uh, in the non-dominant culture in a situation.
1: And I think that's a great way to wrap up our time together. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming. We appreciated it. Yeah, it was fun having you on the pod. Um, And you'll be back again next week when we're going to talk about church partnerships and what that looks like and how we play that out in ministry. It's going to be good.